And we're live. Welcome to Don't Be Coy. I'm your host, Uncle Lou. And today I have the honor, pleasure, and the utmost appreciation to have with me today, Mr. Victor Semfinko. Victor, thank you for being on the show. How are you doing this morning? Doing really good. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, that sounds good, man. How was your previous week? Um, it was a pretty good week. I got to go to Colorado and ski. Oh, really? I didn't know you were a skier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How long did you stay up there? Just a few days or what? I uh, flew out on Monday and came back on Friday. Oh, okay. That sounds good. That sounds good. Um, well, for the people at home, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, my name's Victor Sevsenko, and uh, do you want me to go into the whole story of how I ended up here, or just this? Yeah, man. Whatever. Yeah, whatever you would like to share. It all sounds good. All right. Um, well, I'm. Um, I was born and raised in Moldova, mm-hmm. um, Eastern Europe, and uh, um, lived there for the first 16 years of my life. This year, I'm turning 32, which makes it half my life I've spent here in America. Mm. The, um, the journey started when um, my best friend's parents uh, decided to send him off to America as an exchange student. Mm. And then uh, as soon as I heard that my best friend's leaving and going so far away on this beautiful adventure, I had to beg my parents to yeah. allow me to go as well. Mm. And um, after a long consideration, uh, my father gave me one condition. He said that if, if you go, you have to learn the language. You have to try to go to university. You have to try to stay there. Mm-hmm. If you could do all that, I'm giving you a green light to go. Mm. And at 16, I was like, um, sure thing, father. Yeah, of course, I can do that. <laughs> I mean, as it as it turns out, I uh, kept that promise. Yeah. No, that's what's up. Yeah. So um, uh, me and my friend both applied for that exchange student program. Uh, the way it works, it's actually kind of fun. Uh, they, you pass some English tests, uh, uh, you, once you qualify, they, uh, upload some pictures of yours mm-hmm. on an online profile. Uh, you write a little letter about yourself saying what you like, uh, a little bit about yourself and then families all over America can browse those profiles and pick out the students that they like. Yeah. So I got randomly, uh, picked by a family, uh, from, uh, Georgia state. Mm-hmm. Uh, like an hour north of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So I went to high school there. We graduated. And uh, after that, I applied for college in California. And then uh, my best friend uh, got picked by a family in Olympia, Washington. <laughs> so we were living across the country from each other. We didn't see each other that year at all. <laughs> but at least we were experiencing the same thing together. Yeah. Uh, for college, uh, we got together, became roommates, and uh, moved out to California. And uh, um, five years later, both of us graduated. He ended up moving to Minnesota, and I got a one-way ticket to Hawaii mm-hmm. and gave myself two weeks to find a job. <laughs> and uh, I found one right away. Yeah. And uh, stayed there for the next five years. Yeah. Okay. No, thank you for sharing that, man. That's kind of an interesting story. I like how, you know, your whole journey around just for how you started here just began where it's like, oh, my best friend's leaving. I got to go with him. And then um, you getting here and then realizing that y'all are like literally two opposite ends of the country. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, man. So, like, uh, I'm curious, like, you know, you mentioned this story around, like, how you got here and things of that nature. And I think that it's really interesting, like, to even have that kind of courage at a youthful age to say, like, hey, you know, my best friend is leaving. And, like, yeah, you're young and things of that nature. But, like, you, I'm sure you realized that America was far away because you realized how far your friend was leaving, right? And so, like, to say at the ripe age of 16, I'm going to leave my family and I'm going to go across the world and just start my whole life together. What was that like for you? Um, I definitely didn't think it through. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think I have this personality trait that uh, tends to romanticize a lot of things. Mm. So one, when I um, have a, a vision or a dream inside my mind, it seems so perfect. And then I'm like, okay, what's stopping me? Let's execute. Mm -hmm. And then I do that. And then I find out everything else that is uh, mixed into that, that you have to overcome, figure out, feel, uh, get over and um, learn. And so I definitely didn't, didn't know how it was going to be. Yeah. But uh, in my mind, I had this beautiful vision, this dream of, uh, going to high school in America and uh, maybe even staying there and building a life. And uh, I mean, for us in Eastern Europe, America is like a dream. Mm. And so many movies that I've seen, um, that's kind of what I was going after. So it, yeah. it wasn't a hard choice. And um, I was very fortunate to have my family be able and capable to support that. Yeah. Because, yeah, the country that I come from is uh, far from perfect. Mm -hmm. so it's a very economically challenged country. Uh, it's um, historically has been on crossroads of so many different wars and crises. And so it's a very has a very turbulent history. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, a lot of uh, people do move away. Yeah. So it's, it's another very common uh, thing. Mm. Like uh, um, my friends have uh, siblings, older siblings that have moved away. Everybody knows a lot of people that moved away. So uh, a notion of moving away yourself is kind of something that everybody's prepared for. Mm. Like currently, uh, all of my best friends, all seven of them, uh, they have all moved away. They all live in different countries now. Yeah. So when I visit my family back home, None of my closest friends are there. No, that makes sense. Especially like, you know, just even here, just thinking about like my life here in America, like I grew up in Mississippi. And so like um, a lot of the people that I grew up with, they don't even live in Mississippi anymore. They might live in like other Southern states, but like majority of the time they're not in the state of Mississippi or even in the same city. So like um, there's that benefit to it where it's just like you go home and you're like, oh, okay, no one's here. But at the same time, like you have all these different places that you can travel to and like not only um, visit your friends, but visit the experiences that they're creating. So it's just like, you know, I always appreciate that p component to it. Right. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah, man. So like I, I want to touch on a little bit here as far as you saying that you were like this visionary person and like, you know, talking about like how America was kind of like a dream or is like a dream for living in like Eastern Europe. When you moved here, um, was that dream like a reality or like what was the experience compared to like the vision that you had inside your head? Uh, in the very beginning, it was pretty much a reality. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, it takes time right. as you as you get to know it more closely, uh, more thoroughly. But yeah, in the beginning, the uh, I was driving from the airport um, to my host family's house. I was seeing Atlanta downtown, skyscrapers for the first time. Mm-hmm. I was seeing uh, beautiful neighborhoods with perfect lawns and mailboxes. And, yeah. Uh, the first day I went to school, I had to take the yellow bus. <laughs> That thing, uh, which might seem very normal to everyone else, yeah. was like being part of a movie. Oh, man. No, that's funny. I love that. Because it's like, you know, for for a lot of people who grow up here, just whatever environment they come from, they're used to just that. And so it becomes, not necessarily people take it for granted, but they come accustomed to it. So like um, going and getting a perspective from an individual who comes from literally a different part of the world. It's like, what the yellow bus is like, what's exciting to you? (laughs) (laughs) That was very exciting. (laughs) I know like growing up, we call them like cheese wagons and stuff. Like even for myself, like turning the age of 16 is also the same age that we get our driver's license. So it's like, yeah, as soon as you turn 16, you're not riding the school bus anymore. And if you're riding the school bus your senior year of high school, you're like lame or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't get my license till I was like 18. <laughs> <laughs> and if I stayed home, I probably wouldn't get it until I was like 25. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I have some friends who live in like Eastern Europe and stuff. And even like people who grow up in cities here, like they don't get their license till they're like older because what for, you know? They're, the place that they live is in such proximity that they can easily like get to places. But then there's also this sense of like community where things are kind of just shared anyway. So it's like if a family has one vehicle, it's like, well, what's some call? I don't necessarily need it because it's just like I can walk to this place or that place. And then if I ever need something, I can just ask somebody and then do it myself or like that. So that makes a lot of sense for me, man. Kind of talking a little bit more as far as this visionary component, I think it makes a lot of sense for the things that I know about you and like would like to talk with you a little bit more on the podcast today is that like even from the first time I met you, like just working at the taco taco tainer and like realizing that you were the owner and things of that nature and then having more conversations with you, uh, I noticed that you're this kind of life passion pursuer and like you have this component of like owning your own narrative, you know, like you mentioned beforehand, you're originally from Madova. You've had all these different varying experiences. I think that um, one of the things that's really interesting for you is that you do have, you own this narrative that you have. And so like whenever you went to college, what was, I guess you could say the passion or the narrative that you were trying to write whenever you, uh, went to school and get your undergraduate degree? That's a really good question. Um, and I might not have, I might not have a good answer to that uh, because I don't think I, I don't think I was thinking about that back then. Mm-hmm. So um, another thing that my father told me, uh, he said that once you graduate, you can never go back and work with me. So oh. consider <laughs> going home, not an option. Yeah. Just, so I always was, I was always trying to figure out what am I going to do? What am I going to do with my life? Mm-hmm. So I kept looking for signs and clues. And, uh, and of course, the, the uh, degree that I chose to go after was exactly what my father did. So I was really trying to. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't think in college I, I figured it out. I just kept, um, kept exploring. 
it, what really changed uh, that perspective for me is when I went to Hawaii after I graduated uh, and found a job. Uh, there was a major real estate company opening up their first office in Honolulu, mm -hmm. and I got hired as their office manager. Mm -hmm. And uh, being around realtors mm. and seeing independent contractors and the way they uh, the way they work, their work life balance, their lifestyle, um, that was something that uh, opened my eyes. Mm. I realized that you do not have to have a classical career path choice. There is other things you could do with your life. Yeah. And then through uh, realtors, I also realized that there's so many other industries that are built around that, that um, you could uh, have freedom and not be tied to a set schedule and you could be an independent contractor yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's when I realized, oh, that thing I love, that freedom I love, I want to do, I want to I make that work for me. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I worked for that office for some time and uh, eventually I um, uh, started doing graphic design. Mm -hmm. So that same office hired me as their marketing director mm -hmm. years later, uh, but I was an independent contractor now. Mm -hmm. So I had my own little company, I was providing services, I was able to get more clients, I was able to travel back home, be with my family, and have a job that I was able to do. I had to work at night, but yeah, still. Yeah. That, that freedom felt really good. So I think that freedom is what, uh, I guess infected me with this desire to keep exploring things that I could do on my own mm -hmm. myself and uh, run it by myself. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. Was it challenging to make that kind of pivot towards becoming an independent contractor and like learning graphic design? Or was that something that you naturally had um, a talent towards? And so like when it came to, proposing your idea to the same real estate company that you were working for, they were like, oh yeah, sure. Like, obviously you can do that. Uh, so graphic design, I'm self-taught and I've been doing that since I was young. Oh, so wow. I would be sitting in school in like fifth grade, mm -hmm. I'd be drawing logos mm -hmm. or from my, my dad's job, I would copy all the different partners, logos. I would hand draw that. So I liked it when I had a computer, I started exploring all the different applications and software on a computer and how to, um, create and manipulate graphics. So I've been doing that since I was a kid and I did it for fun. That was my hobby. That's how I like passing time. So when I was working in that office, it just kind of naturally transitioned into that because people would be like, oh, I'm looking for somebody to do this for me. And I was like, by the way, I, I could do that. So I'd stay after work and yeah. do some other side projects. And I realized that I like doing that even more than office manager duties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I think that, you know, <laughs> that's very interesting that like you as you mentioned like you were self-taught with graphic design it was something that even at your youth you realized that you had a knack for and then so whenever you had the opportunity to kind of like build something for it it fits really into as far as this whole aspect of like being a visionary person and person and that vision of freedom like what what is more free than doing something that you love and something that you really enjoy um, and making money from it and being able to make a living from it um, as well. So like, what was that moment where you decided to go independent and was saying, okay, my time is done being a project manager and I'm just going to do um, the graphic designing full time? It, w 
was, uh, I would say it was gradual. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, also, uh, since I was the first person that got hired for that company, I did get to know the owners of the company pretty closely. Mm -hmm. And they were very wise people. And there was one thing they told me that, um, that stuck with me, I think, up until now. And I, and I think through that lens um, constantly. So if you're not building your own business, you're helping somebody else build theirs. Mm -hmm. So, and then I was like, oh, I have to start my own business. And I, <laughs> I never looked at it that way. Yeah. It's like doing graphic design, it's not really starting a business. Mm -hmm. But in a sense, it is. Yeah. So they, they, made it, um, they made it feel official for me. They were like, okay, open your company. Um, they gave me a layout of uh, um, what to do, where to get started. And then when I did that, I was like, oh, wow, I have an operation. I'm sending invoices. Mm -hmm. I, I'm getting clients. Um, so I don't think it happened in one day. It was just a gradual thing. Yeah. And I was just picking up projects here and there on the side. And when I felt confident that I can survive off of that, I uh, moved into it full time. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. So like as I figured it would be like a gradual shift. It's, nothing's like a light switch, right? Like it's not like you just turn something on and it instantly becomes that. But like at the same time, I think that as a part of the gradual shift into it, like um, when or did you ever realize that you were utilizing some of the skill sets that you had as an office manager? Because I'm sure like as far as just project management, um, organization, um, um, this the communication skills that comes with being an office manager um, was really beneficial and like... Um, building your own business essentially because you have to be relatively organized whenever you're owning your own business and so like um did is that something that you were paying attention to like taking in from memory all the other experiences that you had and like how you're going to apply it to this new endeavor that you're going to do so like i guess um the best way to kind of ask that question is it's just like how did you as an individual leverage the skills that you've had, not only from being an office manager, but then also the experiences that you learned, whether it was in college, high school, or even working for your dad to get to this point where it's like, I can use these things as building blocks to set up my own freedom of creating a graphic design company. Um, yeah, of course. Uh, I think for the most part, uh, it was just the connections and interactions I had with uh, mm -hmm. the multitude of uh, realtors. And so that probably was the most helpful part. Mm -hmm. um, and um, as far as organization, um, I, I did model everything off of uh, what I was seeing around me. Because everybody, uh, everybody was working on their own brand, uh, their own identity, their own uh, organizing, their, their work-life schedules. So I was looking around and getting ideas from... There was, uh, in the beginning, there was like 200 agents working at that company. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was leaving, there was almost 400. So mm -hmm. there was lots of people I was, uh, I was around and everybody was doing that same independent thing. So there was a lot of people that I was modeling after. Yeah, no, that yeah, makes but, a lot. But what really helped me was just making connections, and friends, having that personal um, tie to everyone. Mm -hmm. I think that that's very important. Like, um, you know, we realize it just like in our own social lives around like the importance of community and like how having a community um, can help build us up as an individual. Because as you even mentioned, like it was um, 
the the mentorship or the guidance that you received from the um, the owners of the real estate company that inspired you was like, oh, it's it's just if you want to um, be free, you have to either you're either one building your own business or two helping someone build their own. And so it's just like that kind of insight helped you grow as an individual and made you make that pivot. Um, so I think that that's really interesting because it's like um, one of the things that I remember us talking about earlier was this glass house that you built. And, you know, that's a whole different other pivot, right? Like building a um, Airbnb glass house in the middle of the, um, the jungle in Hawaii totally sounds like a beautiful experience. But like, you know, what made you decide to make that pivot into that as well? Um, given that you already have the experience of saying like, hey, I'm a, I was a previously an office manager, already have my own business, but like there was more. So like, was there um, an opportunity that you just saw it and then the vision came or is it part of a larger vision that you're trying to create? I think for me, it was exploring all the different ways that you could work for yourself. Mm. So when I was doing graphic design, I was also little by little picking up other projects on the side. Like I eventually started teaching technology and marketing classes mm -hmm. uh, and I would fly around the islands and, and hold lectures for uh, realtors. So that was another side project I did. Then eventually I, um, so if I had to go to university all over again, mm -hmm. I would have went for architecture. Mm. I would have loved to be an architect. So I've always had um, an admiration for the engineering and uh, construction and, um, and I always wanted to build something. And um, so I designed this uh, glass pyramid house and I build a model out of PVC pipes and I was just nurturing in that project and perfecting it in my head. And then eventually when I came across this uh, uh, land on Big Island, which was, I think the price was the most determining factor, mm -hmm. $9,000 for a plot of wild jungle. Mm -hmm. I was like, I can do that. I can work with that. So I, <laughs> yeah. So I, so I got that land, and that was my canvas. And then uh, I uh, worked with engineers to actually put that uh, pyramid together. Uh, and then it got shipped to me in a shipping container. I picked it up at the port, brought it to the property, and slowly started just clearing out the lot and doing all the electrical work and uh, rain catchment system, uh, solar power system putting the pyramid together, building a, a rock uh, outdoor shower mm -hmm. and um, landscaping. And then once I created that perfect world inside that uh, jungle, mm -hmm. I, I lived there for a bit and then I uh, rented it out on Airbnb and did that for a few years. Yeah. So that was uh, another thing that I figured out that if I do it by myself, I can afford it mm -hmm. and it can be uh, an income opportunity. Yeah. So I think that's that was that was my plus it was something I really enjoyed doing. Mm -hmm. From the start of designing it to actually building it by myself, I loved every minute of it. Yeah. So um the concept of enjoying the process was very important for me. Yeah. I'm starting to see this kind of um pattern here where you talk about like this aspect of freedom and like this aspect of um being a visionary and like seeing the dream and like living in that dream that you've created. But like, it's never as if like your dreams are ever deferred or even like the skills that you've built 
um, you just push them to the wayside. Because even as you mentioned of being like an office manager, like, yeah, I'm no longer office manager anymore working with this real estate company, but yet and still I'm going around and flying and created a whole different income from that or a separate business where I'm, um, how do you say, like training different other realtor companies, giving them the insights that I've learned, and then also doing the graphic design and like creating a whole business for that. And then finally, as we're talking now, as far as this whole visionary experience for um, living in the jungle, like I'm very curious around like what inspired that vision for that, because I think that we all try to create our own little oasis, right? Where it's just like, whether it's in the country of the South, where it's in the jungle of like an exotic island or something of that nature, we all have something that we really and truthfully want to be able to see and do. And so like for you, like um, what inspired that vision to say like, yeah, this is a great opportunity and I can do it, but like there has to be a little bit more to push you to actually start doing it. I think it's uh, probably going to tie in together with what brought me out here in the first place mm -hmm. is that I romanticize everything inside my head too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what, uh, that's what drives me. I guess uh, it, it all starts with understanding yourself. Mm -hmm. Our problem is that we, we think that we can be anyone mm. if we just put our minds to it. And uh, when that is true to a degree, you do have to understand what you're working with. You have to understand yourself and uh, assess yourself. Be realistic with your own personal capabilities. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, that probably should be the starting point. And there's there's ways of doing that you could you could um ask yourself what do you feel like doing and uh so that it makes time fly by mm -hmm. um you could do um the 16 personalities test and give honest answers usually we um people love lying to themselves mm. uh, and uh some live uh, long, sad lives, perpetually deceiving their own selves and wondering why they still feel empty inside at the end of it. It's a natural process. Uh, at times, it's not even people's fault. They yeah. grew up that way. They weren't allowed to be themselves. So there was pressure, expectations, or simply a lack of options or inspiration. So they had to settle for the best thing that was available to them at the time. Mm -hmm. um, humans are complex, but there is yeah. ways that you could assess yourself. Um, you should know who you really are. Most people wrongfully identify with their thoughts and feelings, but uh, I think a great place for anyone to start would be uh, the Japanese concept of Ikigai. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, I'm not going to go into it too deeply, yeah. but it's something that anyone could look up. Mm -hmm. Japanese concept Ikigai. How do you, and, how do you spell uh, that? It's uh, I K I mm -hmm. G A I. Okay. And that's something that could help you figure out your purpose mm. as far as uh, not really your life's mission, mm -hmm. but what can you do in life that will make you money, make you feel fulfilled, and give you a sense of purpose. So yeah. it's, um, I think that would be a great start for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I wish sometimes. Uh, I wish somebody would have told me that when I was younger because mm -hmm. I probably learned that when I was like, I don't know, 25, 26. Mm -hmm. 
uh, imagine if somebody had that tool at their disposal when they were 16, 15, when their brain was just forming, mm-hmm. how, um, how different that life would be. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's very important because it's like, you know, I know so many people who have jobs that they're good at and they enjoy it, you know, but like as far as like knowing their why that that concept of Ikigai, as you mentioned, is kind of like the same concept um, that I'm hearing a lot of nowadays as far as knowing your why. And so like Simon Sinek um, over probably 10 years ago wrote this book called Start With Why, which is basically a concept of understanding like. Um, it goes and looking at businesses and why they're so successful in like not necessarily selling a product, but selling a mission. And so like what I've realized is like now, even with my life, um, whether it's the organizations that I work for, the people that I interact with, like I always start with that. Why it's like, why am I investing my time? Why am I investing my energy? And like, why does this like bring me happiness and always consistently asking the question and like, if I can have some really good, solid answers, that is always something that is, I guess you could say, important to me um, and helps give me clarity. <laughs> this is very interesting because just coming from this concept of like Ikigai or like having your why or anything of that nature, um, I know now like you're in the process of, well, you have your own business, the Taco Tainer. And like, you know, as you told me beforehand, you started it like in that kind of at the beginning of the pandemic era and you saw this as a potential opportunity. So like, can you give a little bit around what that why is that made you start decide to do it? Because you were already here in Washington living like your independent contractor life and like all that was kind of good. But like you saw this other opportunity and like you went for it. So like, um, I guess the question is, it's like, why did you do that? <laughs> uh, well, I I, um, I have lots of ideas of different concepts and things that I want to do eventually in my life. And uh, Talk Container was one of them. I came up with it maybe like five years ago. Mm-hmm. I came up with the name and then the concept. And I had uh, plans and drawings and I trademarked the name a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I guess um, I didn't really have a plan to execute it and bring it to life. Mm-hmm. But as the, as the pandemic started, my Airbnb um, stopped operating. Mm-hmm. Hawaii was very strict at that time. Hawaii yeah. uh, prohibited the operations of all Airbnbs. The, the travel to the islands was uh, uh, cut off. So I, I was realizing that that was coming to an end. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I was also seeing that a lot of people that I did graphic design work for were not reaching out to me anymore. So mm-hmm. everybody kind of put things on hold. And then I was uh, looking around me and I was realizing the only places that are operating are stores and restaurants. Mm. I was like, hey, I had an idea for a restaurant. That's a business that will always do great, no matter what happens. Yeah. And uh, also following the Ikigai, there's a lot of things that, uh, that I realized that I could do to make money. Mm-hmm. But then one question that I asked myself, will I enjoy the process? Mm-hmm. And if I not going to enjoy the process and even if i'm going to make a lot of money it's like i'm wasting my life mm-hmm. so with uh with the cooking i've always loved doing that so mm-hmm. that's something that i do on my off time um i love following complex recipes creating my own recipes i love um i love plating i love plate art uh, i love spending time in the kitchen so plus i find the the design of 
the concept very fulfilling and uh, the entire uh, building and putting it all together and figuring it out and permits and mm -hmm. learning how to build a commercial kitchen and learning how that business operates mm -hmm. and um, having my own self-ordering system mm -hmm. and having automating everything making it uh, aesthetically pleasing and so plus tacos is my favorite street food mm -hmm. so i just had to put it all together yeah. and the 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 time was uh, ripe uh, it was the beginning of the pandemic nobody knew what was going to happen but i was realizing that if i have that business at least if another pandemic happens i can continue making money doing something that <laughs> that is lucrative and something that i enjoy so that's that's how I went into that project. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I, you know, I kind of want to pull back a little bit and go and talk about how you leverage like your office manager experience into this um, component as well. Because, you know, as you mentioned beforehand, even with um, the, the glass house experience, like there's a lot of components that go into it. It's not just saying like, oh, I want to build a glass house. And so you go to the glass house store, you tell them what kind of glass house you want, and then they put it there. And I'm sure it's the same thing for like the taco tainer as well. Like you didn't say, oh, I want a taco tainer. So like, I'm gonna go to the container store, they're gonna build it out how I want it, and then I'm gonna plop it right here. I think that there's a lot of intentionality that goes into it and a lot of creativeness as well. And then from like the um, office manager perspective, there's a lot of processes that you need to understand and the steps that you need to follow to get to that point. So like, I guess a question that I have is, um, how did you go about not only just learning the processes, but like um, tracking the steps and following that? Because there's not necessarily a script for it. And so you had to create your own um, script for it, just like as you're creating your own narrative for your freedom. So like how, um, how did you go about creating that kind of script to be able to create, um, these visions specifically for the taco tainer? Um, I think, um, uh, and as you're talking about this, I'm realizing that something that I haven't even really put together myself is that my past experiences do help me um, create my or work on my next future projects. Mm -hmm. I never thought of it that way. I just thought that, oh, I had free time, so I did this. <laughs> oh, I, so I, uh, but I guess it, it, it all ties in together. The, I would say that something that I realized also very late in life that I should have had in my head since I was like, five mm -hmm. is that confidence is at the center of everything mm -hmm. so i the way i go about it usually is if i don't have the confidence i avoid doing something mm -hmm. i uh, um so having the previous experiences with work and projects and uh people i've met the inspirations i've had i think that all adds to the confidence and then if i check to see if I'm ready and I feel confident, I move forward with it. Mm -hmm. But I, uh, I, I think also the, the confidence portion is, um, is something that um, would help anyone um, delve into what they really want to do. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess figuring out what is it that you need to do to have that confidence? Because that confidence will take you places. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I personally struggle with it. I, I don't think I have enough of it. Mm. 
I always question things. And, uh, but um, another thing that helps me is that I, um, and I don't know where I have that from, but I know that everything can be figured out. Mm -hmm. Everything can be resolved. So whenever I approach something, even if a solution doesn't exist, I don't know why I just believe that I can figure it out. Yeah. So I just, uh, I think that really helps me. So I, I can sit in front of a, a blank sheet of paper and think about something for like a day or two or three until I figure it out. Mm -hmm. So I, I tend to do that. So I think that um, is part of it. Yeah. And it, I don't know where that comes from. Maybe it's something natural. Maybe it's something learned and I just haven't made the connection to where it comes from. With mm -hmm. uh, Maybe it is being from Eastern Europe because you have to figure out a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, maybe seeing my parents, my grandparents, and uh, just observing. No, that makes a lot of sense, man. So, you know, just as you were talking about this, like being from Eastern Europe component, I think that, you know, where you come from, like, no matter if it's like um, a different part of the world, a different part of like the country, or even like a different part of a city, like if there's always this experiences of not necessarily the haves and the have nots, but like um, experiences people who things that people experience and things that people don't. And so like from being in Eastern Europe, like you didn't get to experience like some of the things that um, people were experiencing in America, just like I for myself, like you talking about an exchange program, like I know that they have them in America and people go to like, I know people who've gone to like France and like um, Great Britain or like mostly Western European countries, but I know people who've gone to like Africa and even had jobs where they get to travel the world and things of that nature. And I'm just always like, how did they do that? How is that something that's possible? And like, um, you know, it came from just those experiences of saying like, oh, I saw it and uh, I saw that it was possible for one person to do it. And so like I tried to, for lack of a better term, remix that experience and make it into my own. So I think that, you know, this is a really great pivot into like the last thing that I kind of want to talk to you about is really this kind of full circle experience. How, you know, one of the things that you and I've talked about is um, your interest of moving back home to Madova and like um, being able to just, you know, <laughs> even though your dad said you can't come back. <laughs> well, I, I guess I can come back. I'm just yeah. not going to work with him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right like you could come back but it's just like you can't work with him and things so it's just like huh how do i be able to come back home and like um uh, with but like not have to be able to work for my dad and i think what you've done is created a lot of several different experiences for that and like even when you get there like you're going to be able to probably create your own businesses there for whatever you decide what you would want to do so i think um really the question is it's just like um, going back home, is this something that you've kind of always kind of yearned for, or is this something that has been recent that like that connection to be able to go back home has kind of become more of a burning desire. And so you've kind of been like strategically thinking about how you can get back to that, get back to home and regain or relive some of those experiences, or is it something that like, um, just became just with all the different experiences that a lot of people are experiencing right now. Like, for example, myself, like I've had a yearn to go back to Mississippi and be closer to my family because I've realized the importance of 
um, not only like with being away from home, like the importance of being closer to home, um, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, and past couple of years mm -hmm. um, also make you think about uh, family and uh, the most important things in your life and not being able to travel and go see them mm -hmm. and actually like physically not being able to do that because the world just shuts down. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's part of the desire to be closer to what's important for me. Mm -hmm. um, there's been times that I was planning trips back home and my flights one after another kept getting canceled. And so to get to where I'm from, you have to take two, three, uh, plane rides. Mm -hmm. So two, if you're lucky, usually it's three. Yeah. <laughs> and aligning those three flights and making sure that each one of those airlines doesn't cancel their flight mm -hmm. uh, due to the pandemic was challenging for some time. And so that made me feel like, hey, I am really far away. Uh, I felt the same way in Hawaii too. Mm -hmm. But I was younger and I felt like I was exploring and living my life of adventure. And um, I think I think age is another factor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also realizing that as comfortable as I am here, I am, I'm always going to be an outsider mm. and, uh, having the opportunity to be home where I'm from, where, um, where I belong in yeah. a sense, uh, is, uh, is an important thing. Yeah. Some people don't have that luxury. Some people cut their ties entirely and they cannot move back. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and, um, I, I do have lots of other projects that I always wanted to do home. Yeah. So I guess I'm just gonna flip through that book of ideas and mm -hmm. uh, bring something else to life. I've, uh, I've always wanted to open up a wine bar. Mm -hmm. I love wine and, uh, I, as surprising as it is in the country that is all about wine, there is very few good wine bars. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's something that I would want to do. Yeah. And um, find an old cellar, remodel it, uh, run it, and bring my passion to life uh, as it comes to that. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, man. I think that um, one of the things that you mentioned of, like, not being an outsider, like, you know, I don't necessarily know what your experience in America has been like, but, like, for you to been here since you were basically 16. I'm sure it wasn't an experience that was so bad where you were like, I'm done with this, I'm leaving. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think outsider was not the right way to put it. Um, I've always been accepted and embraced. Right. It's just the fact that, um, yeah, outsider was definitely not the right thing to use because it kind of has a negative connotation to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what I meant more is, um, the freedom to speak the language, yeah. the the things, the concepts, the the values, everything is aligned. For mm -hmm. example, yeah. Uh, I no, mean, I... even though even though I've been heavily influenced by American, I'm very comfortable here. Mm -hmm. um, there are certain things that, um, as you're when you're a child, when you're growing up, uh, lots of things uh, are embedded in you mm -hmm. and stay with you for the rest of your life. So no matter no matter what you do or no matter where else you live, uh, all those memories, they seem very sweet. Yeah. And I think that's what I'm after. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And like, I understood what you meant as far as like the outsider component, because I, I kind of can resonate with that. So like, just to kind of go with a, a metaphor to kind of elaborate on this point a little bit, I think of it kind of like a shirt. Like, you can have a shirt that's a little bit too tight where it's like, 
um, you feel uncomfortable and things of that nature. That's kind of like that negative connotation of being an outsider, right? Things just feel uncomfortable. However, you know, you can be in an environment where, uh, or have a shirt that fits exactly to you to a T where it's tailor-made and things of that nature. And like, I think for a lot of people or like for the experiences that you're talking about, like, um, that's the kind of outsider experience that you're having where it's just like, yeah, I'm here. Everything fits comfortably. So I can live with this. Mm-hmm. And like, as I kind of resonate for myself, even this weekend, um, I was went to the car dealership to get my car serviced. And um, he was saying a word that like, I knew what he was saying, but I was articulating it with my um, um, vernacular. And so like, whenever I was repeating back to what he was saying, he didn't understand what I was talking about at all. And I was just like, I don't, I don't get, why don't you understand what I'm saying? But it was the first time that it resonated with me that like the way that I was speaking that particular word was not the same vernacular as far as the comprehension of like people in this area. And I've had a lot of experiences like that. Like even when I was in grad school, I'll be in class and like, oh yeah, I know the answer to that question. Raise my hand, say all this stuff. And my teacher would just look puzzled. It's like, am I not speaking English? Or (laughs) do you not understand? But like home is kind of like an oversized shirt where it's like, obviously it fits because it's too big, but there's room to grow. And there's like that comfort that you get into it. I think of oversized shirts are kind of like the shirts that people wear to go to bed in the shirts, um, the clothes that people wear when they're lounging around things that make them feel a little bit more comfortable or a little bit more safe where it's just like um, beautiful. You know what I'm saying? And so I think, that's why I resonate with that whole thing of, as you saying, um, going back home and that sweetness of the experiences that you've had there, because it's kind of like that oversized shirt. You have not only your family there, you um, you also have familiar experiences and like a culture that, you know, has been embedded into you. So it's just like, you know, it's, it's home, obviously. And now as a adult, you've had all these experiences that you can like build upon that lets you or allows you to even grow in like your home. And I think that's the best part of like an oversized shirt. This is where this kind of like metaphor ends because it's like, you know, if I'm wearing two X's and I'm supposed to be wearing a large, I don't want to grow to where I start wearing two, two X's um, comfortably. But I think that um, being able to be in a space that you have that extra level of comfortability really allows an individual to not only just um, feel comfortable and be in that kind of retirement state, but also has the potential to like grow as well. So I guess like for you going into or planning for this next phase in your life of returning home, what is the the growth that you want to see for yourself um, while you're there before you're, you go into that true retirement state? That was a very beautiful metaphor. And it, it is, that's exactly how it is. I think it's the desire to always analyze myself. Mm. Um, and um, we we feel as if we're so multi-layered, complex, and diverse characters with uh, so many ideas and dreams and goals. But sometimes when it comes to articulating them and as they come out from um, the comfort of our head, um, they, they, they feel different, they seem different. And that's why it's important to speak and communicate and share ideas. And I think that sharing something with people, 
sometimes I, I feel like it might take away from the uniqueness of the idea, but um, I really think that it polishes it. And uh, these experiences where you sort of, you, you put yourself from the comfort of your head into the real world, you that's the only way that you can figure out how that really is gonna feel. So I can probably live here in Seattle for the next 10 years, constantly dreaming of going back home. Mm. Um, but I will not know how that's gonna feel unless I really do it. Yeah. So I think that's another thing that I really wanna do because uh, if I, if I feel like I'm gonna miss this place, mm -hmm. I might be back. Yeah. And uh, but in order to find out, um, I gotta go home. Yeah. No. And um, I think I think that way with a lot of things in life. So like, if I always kept the tuck container idea in my mind, I would have never known what it's what it's like to run a taco truck. Mm -hmm. uh, same thing with the glass pyramid. And I think certain experiences that I really want to make part of my life. I just have to sacrifice everything else and run with them and make them happen. And then, um, you know, when I'm ready to experience something new, I, I, um, I move on to that. Yeah. And, um, I think as far as that goes, uh, it's a, a trade maybe unique to, to me because, um, it's probably not the safest route to take. It's lots of risks involved. And, yeah. Uh, Sometimes I also feel like if you really want to be successful in life, um, you really have to stick to one thing. Mm -hmm. The hardest thing is, is figuring out what that one thing is. Mm -hmm. Some people are fortunate to somehow by magic um, stumble upon that thing when they're very young yeah. and others uh, and others don't. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, it's also important when you realize that what you're doing is not something that makes you feel fulfilled and you always keep dreaming and falling asleep thinking about something else mm -hmm. maybe that's a sign yeah trust your intuition trust your god no that makes a lot of sense man and i really appreciate you just sharing that because it's just like i think this is something that a lot of people can resonate with and like i know it's definitely something that um i truly resonate with and like um really enjoy just having this kind of conversation with you because not only um, have I just learned, but I think that um, just this whole concept of the pond, the podcast where I say like expand your pond, just hearing about your experiences has really expanded my perspective on things. And like, I really feel like I've grown in like just this like 50 minute conversation that we've had. So I really appreciate that, man. Thank you, brother. Yes, sir. Um, so I do have um, lightning questions that I usually go on at every single episode. So like, if you don't mind, I'll just go through those and then uh, we'll call it in then. How's yeah, that sound? Absolutely. Cool. Um, what's your favorite relaxation or self-care activity? Um, I love cooking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. um, um, it's very important for me to avoid rushing. Mm. So I, uh, I like when I can create and carve out time where I have no obligations. Mm where I can just get lost in that moment. And sometimes I might be doing the simplest things. Like I, I might just be drinking coffee and staring at the window. Mm -hmm. um, I would wake up an hour earlier each morning just to allow myself that time to wake up, mm -hmm. to uh, drink a few cups of my favorite espresso and uh, collect my thoughts, catch up with my friends and family. Uh, 
sets my day right and uh, makes me feel connected and collected and ready to concentrate my mind yeah. on whatever else I'm going to tackle that day. So that's very important to me. And uh, I also love to paint. I like getting lost in the layers and layers of colors and uh, um, setting my feelings and, and thoughts onto the canvas. And mm -hmm. just uh, I look at it as a form of uh, catharsis because mm -hmm. the, 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 the way my mind works, I always have ideas and thoughts and it's always like busy and it's always, uh, so I feel like sometimes getting that out of myself mm -hmm. really makes me feel clean and calm. And uh, so that's what I like to do with my free time. No. I guess uh, starting afresh yeah, or doing things that like an intense workout, um, sauna, mm -hmm. something that makes you feel like you're taking a fresh breath and, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, what is your best book recommendation? Um, complex question. <laughs> um, I would recommend the book called uh, Sapiens mm. if you really want to read something. And and it's uh, it's uh, it's a book about humankind, mm. but it's a very beautiful and very analytical book. But uh, even more than a book, I would recommend everyone to watch. Uh, uh, it's called um, uh, Human the Movie. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, but for those that are not familiar with it, I mean, go on YouTube. Yeah, uh, yeah. Human the Movie, mm -hmm. and uh, and look uh, look through those series. Mm -hmm. And I, I personally think that that should be made a part of the curriculum at uh, schools. Mm -hmm. Anybody graduating middle school or even elementary school, definitely high school, <laughs> needs to watch that movie. Mm -hmm. and enter the world with that perspective in mind. Mm -hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm really glad that you're familiar with that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, but it's it's life-changing. Yeah. Anybody uh, who hasn't seen it, go go see it. No, I totally agree. Um, and then lastly, one person that you want to thank for your journey thus far? Well, that will be my dad. <laughs> yeah. so many things that he said that I did not want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he did. Um, he was that person that pushed me. Mm -hmm. He was that, uh, he was that parent that I needed to have. Yeah. He, I guess in a way he also made it okay for me to, uh, go explore the unexplored because mm -hmm. sometimes, uh, sometimes parents can be protective mm -hmm. and that can be limiting. Yeah. So I got to thank him because he, not only did he support me and, and a lot of times financially support me to be able to attend university outside of uh, state country. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was also the fact that uh, you can do it and you can figure it out. Mm -hmm. uh, or I, I wish, I wish more people had those kinds of uh, people in their lives. Yeah. Cause it's, it's hard to dare. Yeah. It's, it's hard to take risks. And if somebody tells you it's okay, it almost kind of uh, takes away that you're not really uh, liable if you mess up. Yeah. Cause somebody told you it's okay to try. Yeah. Usually, you know, man, I try to refrain from like responding to the to people's answers when they're going through the lightning questions. But like, I got to say this one. Um, I think that it's um, it makes a lot of sense for you to say that your father is the person that you want to thank for your journey thus far, because um, he has that confidence in you. Right. Like you mentioned earlier, as far as confidence being the center of everything. And like um, it's it's 
not necessarily hard, but it's not often that people are born with that innate skill of having confidence in themselves from when they just start off into the world and just can go and do great things. Um, A lot of times that confidence is something that is built, but it's even better when it's nurtured into you. And so I think um, for, as you mentioned, your father um, nurtured or instilled a lot of confidence into you. So like giving you that ability to say like, oh yeah, I believe that you can go and do it and go into another country and be successful. Um, Even with that challenge of saying like, you can't come back and work for me, like that showcases that he had a lot of confidence in yourself and so, and you. And so like um, having confidence in yourself is something that you had at least a good foundation to build yourself on. So that makes a lot of sense to me, man. Yeah. And I think for anybody that is becoming parents and when I become a parent, yeah, I think that's something that I'm going to carry over with me into that um, journey. Yeah. No, for and, sure. Um, for others, I think also you can be your own parent mm. sometimes. And I think that's something that you have to do. Mm-hmm. And um, another thing I like to live by is being the person I needed when I was younger. Yes. So that thing kind of goes through my head a lot of times. No, that makes a lot of sense, man. I I live by that as well. Well, thank you, man. I really appreciate you being on the show, and I hope that you have a great rest of your day. Thank you, brother. All right. Thank you. This has been another episode of Don't Be Coy with Uncle Lou. As always, I'd like to thank this episode's guest for a great conversation, as well as thank you, the listener, for joining in. Whether you're a first-time listener or a regular, I always appreciate your support. If you liked today's episode and ever want to listen to more, Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And to join our community and access future bonus content, be sure to visit dbkpodcast.com.